everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, we're doing this intro from New Jersey and Ontario, respectively. And for those of you who don't know, I'm Molly Herford, author of four books on cycling, writer about all things athletic and outdoorsy, and lover of all things athletic and outdoorsy, including my charming husband and co-host. That sounded really graphic. I'm not sure I wasn't really quite listening there, but uh, I am Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist, and I am up in Ontario. Um, yeah, so I was in the gym this morning uh, helping a bunch of consummate athletes. We actually got talking. One lady uh, really was into OCR, so she mentioned Ryan Atkins, and I was like, well, I know Ryan Atkins. Have I got a podcast you know for wife? you? But then she was like, do you... Do you know his wife? And I was like, oh, I actually do know Lindsay Webster, as a matter of fact. So we talked a lot about that and the uh, CrossFit Games using Cyclocross, which uh, she wasn't super, so we were, I was getting her up to date so that she could add Cyclocross to her CrossFit preparations. Uh, yeah, and then I got to do, finally I'm back in the gym doing, I think I'm on workout number three of my Olympic lifting and stuff, so enjoying that a fair bit. It's a little different mindset than the triathlon training that we talked about at nauseum for the last two months or so. So, mixing oh. it up. What are you up to, Molly? Uh, well, I just got back from dropping our charming little adventure van off at the Ford dealership, but I combined that with a workout. I threw my bike in the back of the thing, left it, to uh, drop the van, and got on the bike and rode back. It turns out my bike, which I hadn't ridden in a few months since it's one of the ones down in New Jersey, also has uh, the same brake problem as our van. Uh, so it's sort of trading one crazy ride for another. That was a little interesting, but made it home. And I've also been up in Western Massachusetts all weekend uh, at the Jeremy Powers cross camp he had up in Leyden. Uh, met a ton of awesome people there, hopefully some new listeners. And I know a couple people that were there actually do already listen to the podcast. So for those of you who happen to be there, it's awesome hanging out. Um, yeah, really good t good time. Lots of talking about cyclocross. So pretty excited to uh, get back to some consummate athlete -y stuff, although a lot of them were pretty open to when I started waxing poetic about running and weight training, and I definitely dropped a bunch of our episodes into casual conversation. Um, but on the topic of that OCR woman, I am, um, or OCR loving woman, I'm super excited about today's guest who doesn't do OCR, she does ultra running, but this was probably, I hate to say it for any guests that are listening to this, but it was one of my favorite episodes that we've done so far. I think you said that before, so I, think I, I don't say know that, that holds every much week. weight anymore, but. Okay, but this was like my favorite favorite. Right, you might just be like a goldfish and just each one's good. That's a really good way to be, though. I I'm okay with it. Yeah. Anyway, today's guest is Jax Mariesh. Uh, you can find her at Wonder Woman Jax or at her coffee roasting company that she started, Stoked Roasters, uh, which I absolutely love. Um, of course, Peter was very excited to get to talk to someone not just about ultra running, but also about coffee roasting. Uh, but Jax is the Four Deserts female world champion back in 2016. She's the first woman in the world to complete the Four Deserts Grand Slam Plus. And yeah, she founded Stoked Roasters, but still manages to find time to sneak in like a casual 20 miler or so, you know. Yeah, it was a really interesting conversation. We talk a bit about business and we talk about coffee and just preparing coffee and 
you know, what she does on the road, and she recommends a cool coffee press, which I'm excited about because coffee, the French press is the, the method of coffee preparation that I am least skilled in, I think. So, yeah, I'm going to give that a try, and I'm trying to think what else we liked in this. She talked a lot about running in sand, I think is a good takeaway. You know, we're not all going to go run across deserts. I don't know. It sounds somewhat unappetizing, but, um, you know, it's a lot of similar challenges to doing long hikes or, you know, any long endurance stuff, but, you know, certainly you might want to run in the sand of the beach. Molly and I were doing that last week a bunch, and it's certainly, you know, it, it's really cool and helps work on a bunch of different muscles and stuff, but it's also frustrating how slow you go sometimes. So she had some good tips for that. So I think there'll be some cool takeaways, whether you're into coffee or running or hiking or, or whatever. Speak for yourself. I'm wicked fast in the sand, so... Just, just throwing it out there. It's probably like my best kind of running that I'm capable of doing, if I'm being completely honest. So I, maybe, maybe that's my next thing. Four deserts. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we're gonna have to try and challenge her on that. But uh, it seems that her. She talks about showering, and I think you checked out the second she said she hadn't showered for like a week of, uh, of racing. That's, that's so. true. Yeah, Peter got kind of grumpy with me. Apparently, my need to shower every like third day or so is uh, a sticking point on road trips. It's your limiter in van life training is, is your need to shower, for sure. I mean, it's like the, re- the real van life. Like People don't talk about your van, the brakes going, and the, the traction control, and then the, the fact that no one showered and you're sleeping like two inches beside someone. Yeah, they don't talk about that. Like That's yeah. not on Instagram. You can't, you, can't, like, you can't have smells on Instagram yet. Someday they will, but... Yeah, it's definitely not nearly as glamorous as they might lead you to believe, unless you have like you know, $150,000 to own a really baller van, which we do not, so. Right, so before we get into this, though, there's uh, a couple, like the wide angle podium donor drive is still going. Uh-huh. Right, and we and we're, you're gonna hear more about this as we go through the show for sure. Uh, we're gonna give you that NPR filibuster. Uh, but, it's not really uh, that long, I promise, but you should definitely yeah. listen to it. People, and... people should do it, it's, it's going well for, mm-hmm. I believe, and we're towards the end, and so it's that last push, and they're just, you know, it's, it's I think, as low as $5 a month, or even one-time donations, and they have, there's some really cool stuff, you know, I had a, a client say that they've been really enjoying the We Got to Hang Out podcast, uh, so there's a couple of bonus from that, and there's a, the Mechanic one, which I always forget the name of the Mechanic podcast, and I apologize, this is sort of off the cuff, but uh, Bike Shop Radio, I think, is all it is, something like this. I think so, yeah. yeah. And of course, CX Harris, which just had Ellen Noble on, and you know, she's one of my good friends. We spend most of the fall traveling with her, and it's a really, really good episode, so everybody should check that one out for sure. Yeah, so that's the web address for that is wideanglepodium.com, and you can do slash donate or just go straight. It'll just give you the flashing thing at the top. Uh, and you can go in, and you can donate to a specific show. You can donate to the whole network. Um, and again, we've talked about you know the microphones and the quality of the show and stuff like that's definitely where that's coming from you know and where we have you know both molly and i now have a bigger mic and you know it's it's those little things we have a mixing board coming too and so it just helps with that quality right you know we're able to do one-on-one interviews with people in in the same place as them a little easier and stuff so that's you know you're really donating to help out that you know whichever show you do like sort of have better quality or, you know, whatever the thing is you don't like, if you've donated to the show and you don't like it, then you can sort of yell at them or yell at us and and say, you know, I donated, this is what I want you to do. Um, But that's, you know, I I liken it to, you know, you can get your Netflix or whatever, but, you know, donate. 
Yeah, and if you spend only $5 a month of that, you can actually make up for it by buying coffee from today's guest at stokedroasters.com because Jax was awesome enough to offer us a 25% discount code, uh, which we are definitely taking advantage of. I'm really excited about those stoked sticks, which are her instant coffee. So when you're you know, out on the road having adventures and you don't really have time for the French press or don't have the capability of bringing it with you, you know, really good quality instant coffee. So again, 25% off if you use the code CONSUMMATE17. It's a capital C, O-N-S-U-M-M-A-T-E-17. That's one seven. Uh, Over at stokedroasters.com. We'll have that all in the show notes. But the other super exciting thing is we're doing a giveaway with her. It's going to be a gift bundle, including a stoked hydro flask, a bag of beans, and a box of stoked sticks. You can get that by rating and reviewing the Consummate Athlete Podcast, taking a screenshot, and emailing it to molly at theoutdooredit.com. And we'll run that contest for, say, the next 10 days. So today is the 22nd. Uh, We'll run that till the 2nd of September, say. Then we're going to draw a winner at random, and you're going to get some rad stuff. Oh, you're, you're speaking in the future. I see. I was like, today's the twenty-first, but uh, yeah, oh, we're releasing you're ruining that's, it, Peter. Not, you're such a good, you're such a good podcaster. You have all this like future dates and stuff. So true story. Um, yeah, so, we so uh, we're good to the. It's the end of the month. It's the end of the month. Yeah, that's true story. Said. We once did a, an episode with Ryan Leach actually on his podcast, the Awesome Trials Rider, and he spent about five minutes discussing the effects of doing like the time skip. So for those of you listening in the future. But it's now, and it was the most amazing experience of my life. Anyway. Um, Ryan's got a lot of yoga, yoga training, though. You can listen. We had Ryan. He was our first episode, maybe. Oh was it the gosh, first he episode? Was. Yeah. Well, well, we did one with each other, because that was easy. And then we had Ryan, because we had already done his podcast. So he, had, he was like our third episode, I think, but our first guest. Yeah. Um, so you should check that out for sure. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention with the coffee, though, uh, was they delivered to uh, U.S. and Canada. So Woo! lots of Canadian lift, li- listeners and lifters. Uh, and we, we can get that delivered uh, for sure. They have that set up. Because I believe Jax has some tie to Canada. Yeah. She was Canadian or, or is Canadian. I can't recall. Oh, also, guys, there's a subscription service that Stoked Roasters has that I think we're going to be getting. I'm crazy excited. I'm stoked about it. I'm really excited. Uh, anyway, we'll have all of that info in the show notes. But let's dive into this episode with Jax. All right, welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm here today with Molly and also with Jax. Uh, Mar- Marish? Mariash. Mariash. I always screw that up. I don't know why I don't ask people first, so we'll start again. Mary- <laughs> Mariash. I don't know why we don't yeah, put that Mariash. later. Mary- Mariash. We should really put that in Mariash. our like, intro. Uh, that like Mary yeah, like, Ash. Yeah. Yes, spell it in Canadian for yeah. me. Um, <laughs> perfect. All right, here we go. All right, welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We're here today with Jax Mariash, who is a coffee entrepreneur and also very accomplished ultra runner. Uh, she was the first female to finish the Four Deserts uh, race, ultra race, uh, which she's going to tell us all about. I'm super excited to hear about that and what's involved in, in crossing Four Deserts on foot. Um, and then also we're going to spend a lot of time today on sort of the entrepreneur lifestyle and lots of coffee talk today, sort of how we make good coffee, what is involved in roasting and different roasts. So welcome to the show, Jax. 
Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. So what we like to start with is just sort of tell us a little bit about who you are and, you know, what, what's every day look like for an ultra runner, coffee roasting uh, entrepreneur? <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, my name is Jackson. I am, in a way, jack of all trades. I am an entrepreneur who started a coffee business, a roasting business called Stoked Roasters. And so we are a coffee company that's all about giving you premium coffee to kickstart your way in a really positive way. And um, all of the coffee side is to inspire you to get outside. And in addition, I have been a runner since I was five years old and over time started going longer and longer. <laughs> And now am the 2016 Four Desert Female World Champion and first woman in the world to uh, complete what's called the Four Deserts Race Series Grand Slam Plus. <laughs> That's so rad. Can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> love it. Also, can I just mention, I love the motto for Stoked, the go ahead and send it. <laughs> so yeah. good. Um, so I think we're going to have to start with what is the Four Deserts Grand Slam Plus? Um, okay, so the Four Deserts Race Series, they create 155-mile um, self-supported races over the roughest terrain in the world. Um, so the traditional Four Deserts races, which they would uh, call the Grand Slam, if you were to do all four of these in one year, are they're located in Chile, China, Africa, and Antarctica, which is four different deserts on the planet. So how it works is it's a stage race. Um, you carry everything on your back to survive. And so it um, pretty much is set up where you have four marathons in a row each day. And the fifth day, they call it a long march, and it's 50 miles. The sixth day is a rest day, and the seventh day is a 10K to finish. So quite front-loaded. And then you carry everything on your back to survive. So food, safety equipment, sleeping supplies, everything you need to survive to get through that distance and through the race. Um, the race series will provide medical aid in extreme cases, uh, canvas tent to share with up to nine others, and hot and cold water. And other than that, you're on your own. Um, so the Grand Slam Plus becomes... All four of those races, plus one additional race, which they call a roving race, which does not technically have to be on desert terrain. So last year it was actually in Sri Lanka, so super hot and humid uh, jungle terrain. And um, so they add that fifth race in, and that's called the Grand Slam Plus. And only three men at the point that I did it had ever completed it. And so I made history by becoming the first woman to do all five in one fiscal year, which technically I think it was like 10 months. And then in addition, I won all the traditional four races. Uh, so I'm the third to ever do that, second female to ever do that. And uh, so they calculate points for each race that you do. And whoever has the lowest points um, becomes a world champion. And so in my case, I won them all. So I had the lowest and um, was crowned the female world champion. 
That's ridiculously so, <laughs> cool. So what what yeah, drew you to choosing gnarly. that? Like, pardon me. What made you choose that? That's a crazy goal. And a, I mean, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I was chasing down uh, Ultra Trail Mont Blanc points. Uh, I was, and then I got injured in a 50 mile race in the Mount Hood 50. Um, I took third place, but I fell and hit my knee and had knee bursitis. So I had to take eight weeks off. So the next race that I was going to do the Waldo hundred K actually had to drop out halfway. Um, and so I was like chasing points and, uh, there was one race left basically in the world <laughs> to get enough points, which was the Atacama crossing in Chile, which is one of these four races. And I was like, Oh, I don't know why it's so expensive, but screw it. I'm going to go. And so I went down to Chile, totally had no idea what I was doing and had at that point finally watched this documentary called Desert Runners and found out how crazy these events were. And so I'm totally scared shitless and my pack is 30 pounds, which is like way heavy. And um, I slugged along and survived and was actually second female. And at home, um, there was this following that was created by people that were extremely inspired and were following the journey as I was going through um, friends that I had that were pushing kind of the media back as I was going. And people were really inspired and moved by it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, that's amazing what has happened to move people in one event. And so after that event, I started kind of jockeying around ideas with the race series of what could we do that's even bigger that would really inspire the masses to get outside because that's kind of my ultimate goal and dream with running always is just to move people and empower them to have a fit life and move their bodies. And then I feel like I'm like healing the world kind of. And so they proposed to me this idea of that next year trying to be the first one to do five in one year. So basically, I did six races in 15 months. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and um, so the whole inspiration was uh, to really um, move the masses, inspire them to get outside. And I also partnered for this race series with uh, a charity organization called the Limelight Foundation. And so I also piggybacked it to try to raise funds and awareness to and um, help with the Limelight Foundation. And so that was kind of the whole dream. So it was the most insane experience over Ten and a half months that I've ever gone through, and um, I don't think I realized until nine months later how much of an impact it has on your body, mind, and spirit um, to survive and get through, and to try to win them all. And so, <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. I mean, the races themselves are like nothing you've ever experienced before. It's funny coming from being like a single day ultra marathoner where you kind of are jamming out 50 to hundred miles in a day, you kind of look at this race series and you're like, Oh, it's a stage race. It can't be that hard. But then all of a sudden you're like, Oh wait, add that it's the roughest train in the world. Add you're going to have points where you feel like you're going to die. Add that you're going to carry all of your equipment on your back, which is starts off around 19 pounds. 
if you do it right, um, when you add your water bottles being full. And then um, add that the stages actually do start to really um, stress out your body a ton and you're hardly eating. And so you're kind of starving yourself through the whole process. Oh my gosh, I have so many different questions about all of this because there, <laughs> there were so many different directions. Okay, so my first question is just like, how the heck did you balance that insane amount of racing and travel and stuff with, you know, starting this coffee roasting company and keeping it going to the point where you're opening a second location? So uh, through last year, I would say, um, folks, if they were to give me a tagline for, like I'm often called Wonder Woman Jack, so she's been my hero since I was a little kid. And the tagline I would go with that would be probably can't stop, won't stop. Um, so I think through the process starting February all the way to November, I felt like I became a robot. And literally it was like a program of get up at 4.30 a.m., um, run and then work and then uh usually it's either massage 20 minute nap some type of body maintenance midday work again and then run and then pass out at around 10 and literally like do that every single day all day weekdays weekend you name it um so there's like no days off and it was this constant push uh, to keep everything alive and in stride. And it's almost like you could not, uh, you couldn't go off of that trajectory or you'd fail. And so it's like literally like I had to be in like go mode nonstop or something would suffer. And especially with trying to win them all, it's like you have to, you can't just go run. Like you have to do strength training. You have to do, pack runs you have to um there's just so many components that uh it's it's kind of wild looking back at it what i put my mind and body through to keep everything afloat and keep stoke growing and preparing for the phases that we're doing right now with the coffee company you know as well as um you know life changes and things like that Yeah, so. no, it's it's interesting because I find I think almost the more that's on your plate, like reaching that critical mass is almost like the best time for like peak productivity, like across the board is when you're so jammed that you don't even have like the half hour to chill or like the chance to like go it out is. drinking, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, it totally is. Somehow I fit a beer in there almost every day. <laughs> well, you know, but, you have um, to be a person too. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, but it definitely, I mean, it's, it's amazing. I think what I really, when I look back at it, it's amazing the power of the mind and how much potential like your body, mind, and spirit have. And when you start to really access it, that's when you start to do superhuman stuff. And now I really see how people do superhuman stuff because it's kind of doing that. And you just have to you can't, you just have to like, it's like this like narrow focus, you know, and you just have to keep going. And I think that like the biggest thing is, I mean, out in the desert, as well as like in business and entrepreneurship, you're presented oftentimes with a lot of adversity, whether in business, it can be a whole slew of things from, you know, trademark stuff, equipment falls apart, um, whatever, to, in the deserts, 
um, there's periods where I thought I was going to die. And, you know, how do you get through that? And how do you have this like super positive mindset to get yourself through? Because if you don't have this like positive forward thinking mindset, you will fail, especially out there. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, which, (laughs) which desert was the hardest? So it's funny that question gets asked a lot and I figured, yeah. Frankly, um, they all are. And yeah. it's so funny because you get done with a race and if you're fresh off of it and you go into an interview, you'll say it was that one. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the next one comes in, like, actually it was this one. Um, so I guess the answer to that is um, the one that crushed us the most was probably Antarctica. It was the last one. It was the hardest race of my life in the sense of it was snow running the entire time. So it took 10 hours longer to complete the 250 K. Um, you, we actually climbed 24,000 feet over the seven days and it was kind of a little bit of a different format. So you literally, it was like, wake up and just run all day, every day on just really hard, slippery terrain where you're just post holing at first and then you're kind of getting into a rhythm and you're dealing with snow weather and just like a lot of different elements so I'd say that when spiritually by the end we were just trashed and (laughs) but then there was like the Gobi March which was in um, China Uh, we went through the Chin Chin mountain range and that was, I was borderline hypothermic. And then you go into the Black Obi Desert and the long march actually was 130 degrees. And my shoes were melting and I was making history by being second overall that day with the men. And I was um, puking and I ran out of water and thought I was going to die. <laughs> so, but then survived and finished and Osaka and made history and so it's kind of like they're all hard in their own way um like Sri Lanka I sprained my ankle and hobbled the last three days and so it's just the level of adversity that you go through out there changes your entire perspective of life when you come back in like the quote real world Yeah, definitely. It's it's funny how those those hard days sort of all blend together and little, you know, you start, you can always talk about like how certain things, you know, I imagine the cold or you know, preparation for the cold and uh-huh. snow was hard versus, you know, the sand and the heat of the desert. Um, but it just blurs into one terrible, and you, terrible And you forget about it. You do. And yeah, I think. You actually I, forget about it too. I think like that's like you, a gift humans have, right? As we, we carry on, you know, and, and you know, you, yeah. move, you move past it and hopefully are stronger and stuff and you try and forget the, the bad stuff and leave the good stuff. But uh, we were well, wondering. We, I mean, we totally forget about it. And then all of a sudden it's like, we'll have an interview and we'll remember what happened. We're like, whoa, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah, and you don't, it's hard to just put into words how hard it was, right? And, you know, you, you, felt, yeah. you felt like quitting, but you kept going. And, you know, I don't know what service it provides anyone because, you know, you, everyone deals with their own their own struggles. But I'm wondering yeah. for, you know, not everyone wants to go around the desert, but, you know, running on sand at the beach, you know, we're actually on way to the beach here in Virginia right now. Uh, yeah. Do you have any tips for, you know, running on sand and sort of moving forward on sand if someone was so inclined? Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, because so 
for example, our race in Africa was probably 75% sand. And I would say that it's you take like kind of like when you're doing hill running, if you move your arm, pump your arms a lot and do like little baby steps, micro steps work really well in sand actually too. So it's almost like smaller steps and like quicker uh, will move you through sand a bit faster. Like no matter what, it's going to slow you down and you're having to deal with like a lot of stability, you know, so it is different. But if you really pump your arms, no matter what, your legs have to follow. And so for us out there, it was like if you did these more micro steps, it helped. Or uh, if you think of like drafting and cycling where there's this advantage of wind, you can do the same thing in sand where like if you can get a little bit more thick sand where it's actually going to kind of leave a footprint you can actually trade off with someone and run in their footsteps and follow their stride. And it'll be a lot easier for the person behind. And then you can like flip flop. And so that helps a lot. And so that was like a trick that we would do out there where we would just tightly follow each other. And then somebody could take a break and then you could flip flop back around and um, somebody else can do the work. So it'd be a lot like snow in that case, certainly like you're, you're almost breaking. Yeah. Trail. Like post pulling. Yeah. So like out in Antarctica, um, Kyle McCoy and I, who's a male um, champion, we would post hole for the entire group every day. And we kind of almost felt like it was our duty. And it would probably take two laps before it was post hole enough that it would start to, we would be able to start running it. And, um, and then you would, you would just kind of jump in people's steps as much as you could. I mean, out there you're dealing with 70 runners that are kind of, that's a lot of footsteps, but um, yeah, so there's tactics with that because you're kind of crushing through that instability out in sand, if, and then you just jump in their little, their little spots. That, that makes a ton of sense. So what about strength training? Did you do anything specific or different, I guess? Because, like, I mean, you've done other kinds of running before. Did you shift up your strength training to deal with that kind of thing and ultra in general? Yeah, 100%. Um, so... Out there, you're dealing with a pack on your back. So that's one thing that you have to deal with. Um, so you have to get used to, and your muscle fibers have to get used to running with all that weight on your back. And so something that I actually did that was a little bit different is I actually wore my pack loaded as it's supposed to be. Um, and I did two pack runs a week. One was really long and the other one was shorter and faster. And then in addition to that, I actually worked standing up with my pack on for 48 hours a day. And so oh now all of a gosh. sudden, the pack <laughs> felt like really light. <laughs> um, and then the strength training, like back in the day, I was kind of, I was a road racer that turned to trail. And then with ultras, it's like you have such high mileage weeks that it's hard to like, okay, now I need to go do massage and strength training and body work and hot tub and, you know, all this stuff. And for the four desert three series, if you want to win, you absolutely 100% have to do all that stuff. And in the past, I would kind of get away with just my running program. Um, so I would do a series of squats and um, glute exercises every single morning while my coffee brewed and then I would do a core workout every single day um, that I had created it was called the core challenge and it's like 100 days of exercises that take like 10 to 15 minutes 
And I literally religiously did that every single day. And if I didn't do that, I would kind of feel weak. Um, so I love that. I do. Uh, I have similar, yeah. I mean, I you do, have like, to do the extras. Totally. I do like five minutes of planks and then a bunch of yoga stuff every morning. And the days I can't do it, I feel like garbage the whole day. Yeah. It's so well, and funny. I think it's something that I'm moving forward now in like my professional running career. Uh, it's extremely important, and I saw the benefit of it so much that um, now I'm actually working. I've taken strength to a new level, and I'm working with um, this gentleman named Kevin here, and we meet two days a week, um, and it's like an hour strength training session, and then I do maintenance every day beyond that. And it's, um, it's changing my running. I think actually you said something about, you know, the importance of massage and all of that self care. And I kind of want to just go Mm -hmm. into that. Like, could you imagine Mm -hmm. having done it without that? I think that's just so important. That's something that gets missed so often, all of the mobility work and everything. I actually looking back, I think it was, um, I don't think I would have done as well if I didn't do that. Um, so it's like, in that case, it's like recovery becomes as important as your training. So it's like training too. And, um, you know, even though it's like massage is kind of expensive, even if you can just get into like, um, like a company called rapid reboot sponsors me. And so it's like a recovery boot that's like self massage, you know, flushes out your legs, you know, as often as you need to use them. But sometimes if people even can get into like a rehab center or recovery center where they can throw those on, it's a lot cheaper, but it's actually still doing something. Um, So I think it's just all that rolling, um, all those extra body maintenance items just are like so important to taking it to the next level and for really any level for injury prevention. And I think, too, it, it provides sort of a down-regulation for that nervous system, right? You know, yourself, you're out training hard and, you know, long days all the time, and then you're also, you know, working all the time. So, you know, some downtime where we're sort of getting that, that nervous system not so, you know, we're not so wired. Um, I think that's a, yeah. lot, a lot of the benefit of massage even is in that nervous system, likely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, for it, sure. It's almost forced meditation, right? Like you can't be on your phone or, or whatever sort of yep. doing business. <laughs> It is, you know, and it is, I think that is the hardest part of, especially last year and watching us all at the very end when we all kind of collapsed is that you are, when you're like, go, 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 you know, finding things like that, that do force you to just take a moment, I think are a bigger blessing than you ever realize. I think so for sure. It's it's worth the investment, even if it's you know the ten minute core or the ten minutes of rolling on a lacrosse ball or something. Um, I think yeah. I think it's worth the time for sure. Just again to sort of force yourself into that meditation as a Type A. Um, yeah. I was wondering, almost on the flip side of Type A, so we all want to multitask. I, I really <laughs> like your having the pack, like that's like next level standing desk type, you know, efficiency. Do you have any other, you know, obviously as a busy person, you got your, your business and a second location. Like, is there anything else that you try and do to, you know, augment your training given a limited time to train for these all day events? I think the rest, the rest is pretty traditional. 
Um, I mean, another little trick is, I mean, with time, sometimes you're really crunch being an entrepreneur or anyone, let's say your mom or anything. And it's, uh, it's funny, like if you not getting, so running is all about time on your feet, especially ultras. So it's not getting so stuck on like, oh my gosh, you need to get 10 miles and then you do all in the morning. Sometimes I really have to break stuff up. And so I'll just do like five in the morning and then five late at night. So it's almost like you could break up your miles more than people think that you can. And I think that that's been something that uh, has actually really taken some of the impact load off. And then you're still getting all that time on your feet. And um, so that's helped out a lot. It's just, I mean, you can break up your miles and do second runs more than you think. And it actually really will benefit you out. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we really overlook the the benefit of that frequency, right? Because that's actually increasing the number mm-hmm. of runs and the number of recovery periods. And, you know, often if you'll know you only have a five-minute or a 30-minute run, you know, the quality and the energy and the positive mindset is going to be better than if you went out for a three-hour run or something, right? Yeah. That's right. certainly something I use, yeah. you know, for running. We just finished an Ironman here, and a lot of my runs were, you know, run out to the grocery store, you know, run to town for you know, 3K out and then grocery shop and then walk back yeah. and then later in the afternoon maybe go for another run or something. Um, and or run while you're getting your oil change. I mean, mm-hmm. like, obviously there's runs where it's like you're doing an interval session and you do it all at once or if you have a long run, you do it all at once. But other than that, it's just a lot of long, easy running. And um, there was this uh, woman, Pam Reed, that was kind of a really big inspiration to me back in the day and I mean, she just, her whole program was run three hours a day. And she'd run it all at once sometimes. Sometimes she'd run, like, you know, while she's getting an oil change, while her kids are in school, this or that. But, I mean, really, you think about the subconscious mind, and it's just running and time on your feet and the mental part of being out there and what you go through running. All the, that's all it knows. You know, it doesn't know that it's this time of day or that time of day. It's just, you know, it's this constant repetition of your body doing that process. Consistency will make you super fit. Yeah, it's sort of just making that your everyday, right? And and used to moving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Phil Maffetone actually talks a lot about, you know, from that inner, or injury standpoint, you know, the, the loading on the body. He his, his opinion is, you know, you build aerobic capacity over time and your body adapts and tendons adapt. But you can do a lot, you know, to trick that mindset of just walking, you know, on the either side of the, the runs or during your day. So you might get your 90-minute yeah. run in, but you can also trick yourself into, well, I move for three hours, whether that's all in one session or, or not. And I think there's a lot of a lot of value to that where, you know, you're moving and you're using some aerobic capacity to move. But it doesn't always have to be that, like, you know, suffer fast, sort of moderate, sloppy, like super targeted. We're having spills everywhere here. Um, super targeted run, right? Right. And it's funny, you know, a lot of people get really caught up in, I need to get this kind of pace, you know, or I need to have this many miles per week. And, you know, it's kind of interesting when you just let that go a little bit. And I mean, slower faster in a lot of ways, you know, beyond like your interval workouts, it's, I mean, you could take breaks, you could walk, it could be 10 minute miles, it could be eight minute miles, like, but in the end, it's. Um, you know, you're just improving your running economy, you're improving your running efficiency. And those are the, those are why those runs are there. And when you get out on a hundred mile run, 
it's all about enduring and your mind. And I mean, a whole other segment of elements comes into play. Your positive attitude, you know, all those pieces are things that you need to develop during training too. Health IQ is a life insurance company that promotes a health conscious lifestyle through financial rewards. They've used science and data to get lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people just like you, including those who exercise four times a week through cycling, weightlifting, swimming, running, whatever consummate athlete lifestyle you're, you're undertaking. Research has shown that people who are highly active through exercise have a 22% lower cancer risk, 50% lower heart risk, and 34% lower risk of early death. Many people who exercise regularly don't realize that they can get a special rate with Health IQ if they qualify through the Health IQ quiz. Health IQ has special rates for cyclists, runners, triathletes, vegans, and other health conscious people, so you can qualify by scoring elite on quizzes for specific lifestyles. Essentially replacing BMI with waist to hip ratio for better predictors of cardiovascular disease when it comes to weightlifters and muscular builds. That's great for me. They also have replaced the LDL-HDL ratio with triglyceride to HDL ratio for low-carb and paleo dieters, which is a better predictor of cholesterol health, and they don't take into account one incidence of family history if you're otherwise healthy. So, go over to healthiq.com slash CAPod. All lowercase. And take that quiz. Um, They have a bunch of different quizzes on the website, and the website's pretty well designed, so it's worth heading over there, checking it out, and again, using that link, healthiq.com slash C-A-P-O-D. So the other piece to that, you know, it relates to this efficiency of training and aerobic capacity and stuff, is sort of the nutrition side of things. Do you do anything, you know, in a in a usual week and stuff that you think is is important as far as nutrition? You know, do you have a a strategy as far as nutrition that sort of helps towards endurance, or you know, you pretty standard or eat anything, or what are you up to with that? Next question is going to be about Um, the specific race nutrition, so more more like day to day. yeah. Yeah, day to day. Um, so day-to-day nutrition, I'm pretty, um, I eat whatever I want. Um, I have gone through a lot of different spells, I think, with nutrition in my life and even went through a nine-year period where I tried to control it maybe a little too much. And through that process, I think I just made things simple. So like on a day-to-day, I have a really simple diet that's I eat what I crave but I also pretty much like 95 percent of the time only eat ingredients I understand so pretty wholesome raw diet I would say pretty simple ingredients and um, but fair mixture of protein fat carbs all that stuff and not too controlled um, I just kind of eat when I'm hungry and don't eat when I'm not and um, I do also last year, I got really big about having um, so beet performer is actually just like beet juice. And um, I would have a beet performer every day. And that helps with um, pushing nitrates in and more oxygen to your body and helps with stamina and endurance. And so I actually got a program where it was really religious about that one thing. And then I would also um, always have a gallon of water a day. So hydration was extremely important to me, and that made a significant difference. 
Yeah, that makes a ton and of coffee sense. every morning. Of, of course, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get to the coffee for sure. But uh, the other thing we wanted to ask you, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff, especially in the ultra world right now, especially in running. Uh, around race nutrition you know how are you fueling as you're going through these different like all day you know multi-day challenges you know it's, it's obviously a problem when you're carrying weight you know stuff and you, you only have so much support yeah so it was interesting out in the um, desert and I would say like in ultra racing specifically you're dealing with uh, a lower heart rate that's a lot more aerobic and so it's in this fat burning state and you're going forever. And so at first, um, I would have like honey stinger waffles and honey stinger chews are kind of my go-to. And all of a sudden I was like still hungry. And so what I realized is that in ultra reducing, I actually need to add fat to it. And so out there, weight really did matter. And so I would add um, like coconut flakes into like I'd take a Ziploc bag and I would actually throw in energy chews, throw in the coconut flakes and then throw in some almonds and like mix it like this like energy trail mix. And I would chew on that um, pretty much for like, let's say you're out there six to 12 hours a day. Um, so that was kind of my go-to was some type of mixture like that. Or I'd have like a waffle and then I'd have um, some almonds with it. So I always felt like I needed this combination of adding in fat um, to sustain that energy better. Or it was like I was running through it too quick and I felt really hungry. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And fat's the densest as far as the... Lots like, of calories. Yeah. yeah. Makes yeah. Carrying nineteen pounds. And are you like are are you regimented in terms of how much you're trying to get in during the event, the event, or you know does that evolve over the course of an event, especially in the heat? Um, well, with the desert racing, you are again controlled by your weight, so I would actually ration it out, and I would kind of just be controlled by because I have to get through all the next days and have enough food, and so like in Sri Lanka, I actually puked twelve times the first day and was um, really in some trouble with nausea. And so I ate too much of my food. And so I got really scared. And, um, but it all kind of balanced out in the end. Um, so you're kind of, you are portioning it. And for me, I had a system that I would go into, because as you mentioned, you're dealing with pretty much 100 degree heat in all the races, except for the first part in China. And so I would go into a system where I would have a salt tab every single hour on the hour. At the hour 15, I would have, um, so I guess at, I would have, let's see, um, energy chews and some fat. And then at the 30 minutes on the hour, I would put sunscreen on. And at the 45 minutes, I would have, um, or every hour and a half, I would have, um, it's a product called Drip Drop. And it's a medically backed hydration formula. And uh, so I would, I was extremely dependent on that electrolyte system. And I guess if anything in my pack was the most important, it's that. And um, because you're dealing with extreme heat and you never want to have water by itself. And I think people don't know that. And so that was critical. Um, to make sure that every hour and a half I was having drip drop. Awesome. 
Now, are you making, you know, the most important part of our fueling? Or what are you doing, you know, morning of these events? Are you making coffee or do they provide coffee? Or, you know, are you just doing like caffeine tabs to get your, your fix? Or like how do you handle that as a, a coffee expert, a coffee roaster? How do you deal with yeah. that during events when, you know, you're focused on the running side of your life? So, um, luckily, we created uh, a product called Dope Stick, and it's um, instant coffee. Love and it. Love so, it so much. <laughs> um, it's like 3.2 gram packets that you throw into eight ounces of water. So, I took a packet per day, and that was like my gift. Um, to myself, um, luxury item, we'll call it, because uh, you don't need coffee to perform, but I need it. <laughs> and so every morning I would get up at 5 a.m. and I would have um, one stoke stick and uh, I really like the dark roast. So we have a dark and a medium roast. And then I would have a packet of oatmeal and um, muscle milk. (laughs) And I would have all that as fast as I could. And then I actually would be back in bed by 5.30, And I would take a 45-minute nap and let everything just kind of settle. And then I would get up and pack my pack and you know, get my race outfit on, sunscreen, all that stuff, and be ready for 7.30 um, mandatory meeting. Awesome. And that uh, became my system. So, so, yeah. so now you you obviously have hot water when you're preparing these in the, in the desert. They or, give you, all, they, all they'll give you um, for support out there is hot and cold water. So wait, do you get to shower every day at these, or is this just like nope. the grossest week ever? Oh, you, you're disgusting. You're in the same exact <laughs> clothes. Like, literally, they provide just hot, wa- hot, cold water for drinking. And then that tent to share with others and then, you know, medical aid. So, I mean, you could bring wet wipes or something to, like, you know, so-called sort of shower. But uh, it's extra weight, so you don't do it because you want to win. Um, <laughs> and so, in, in my case, how I would kind of check in and out of race recovery is that I would, um, let's say that, uh, you start at eight every day. Let's say I finished at two. I would immediately have Ultigen, um, which is a recovery drink. Um, so that would allow me to throw in calories ASAP. And then I would try to go and nap. So I'd immediately get my legs up and, um, I'm still in disgusting clothes, but I'm exhausted. And then it was hard because it was so hot. So sometimes your tent was like 130 degrees. So you just like find somewhere to like lie outside in the sand and then um, wake up. And then what I would do is I would take off my race clothes and put on a sport bra and some like booty shorts. And then at night I'd have tights and my jacket that we're required to bring. Um, And that was how I felt like I like, got out of race mode and went into this like recovery outfit and then and then next morning put that same stinky stuff on and you're back in race mode (laughs) so you just keep doing that back and forth and it's like you don't even realize how disgusting you are and how bad you smell until you actually get back to your hotel room um after the race is over and you like pick up a piece of clothing and you just want to vomit and (laughs) 
So <laughs> you're usually sending it straight to the hotel dry cleaning. <laughs> awesome. So I was thinking now let's shift a little bit and you know you've you've done a fair bit as far as roasting of coffee, you know. So I thought could we get into some of the you know, maybe common questions of roasting. Um, the first one that came sure. to mind for me was just sort of, could you explain the difference uh, between sort of a, a dark roast and a light roast? You know, as a lot of times people think there's more caffeine or it's stronger tasting, and I, I don't know that's quite that simple. Could uh-huh. you sort of just give us the 101 on sort of roast, uh, the differences in roast? Yeah, sure. Um, so there's um, anywhere from a light roast to a French roast which would be the darkest. So your coffee is super oily. And so as a roast master, what you're doing is you're picking different origins around the world based off of how people like their coffee roasted. And in that sense, they're kind of going for a flavor. Usually somebody that wants it dark roasted, they want this like more, um, this like really strong earthy flavor when they want a dark roast and when they go for a light roast, they want this flavor that's like fruity, zesty, um, very peppy, sometimes acidic, uh, and has like just a lot going on in that cut from a flavor standard. Um, on the caffeine controversy, it's actually more caffeine um, for the lighter roast. Um, so you're almost like you could imagine you're roasting the caffeine out of the coffee as you go darker and darker and darker. Um, and then in addition to all that, uh, basically like as you roast darker, that earthy flavor is almost coming from it just being roasted so dark. So we're picking usually origins that are a lot more simple. Uh, we call them blenders. Um, but so you're getting origins like Mexico, um, some basic Peru, Nicaragua, um, and some origins like that. When you're going really light, we're picking origins where there's just going to be so much going on. So, for example, right now in our summer stoke blend, our seasonal blend, we're using a really, really unique Ethiopia yoga chef, which is providing like this blueberry note that is just amazing, along with a little bit of zest in it. And um, you really like you really can pick out those flavor notes versus it being like earthy, smoky, chocolatey um, on the other end of the spectrum. That's so that'd great. be like super yeah. high level. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, I think that's a good one-on-one. I think that gets people sort of their interest peaked. Um, you know, is there an advice you can give? I know it varies with the type of coffee, but is there, you know, common errors, I guess, when people go to make coffee uh, at home? Yeah, there's a lot actually. Um, there, the biggest error can be um, how you're grinding your coffee and your coffee to water ratio. Um, so, and then also, you know, what kind of brewer are you using? So, you know, for us, we're always recommending our favorite is this uh, company called Espro. They make a double walled stainless steel French press that is the cleanest cup of coffee you'll ever have in your life. But I think like the biggest error is that sometimes you know, folks will have like, maybe they have a traditional coffee maker, but they have like this little hand grinder and that coffee to water ratio could not be correct. And so then the coffee comes out super weak or watery, or maybe they're putting so much in and it's like super strong. Um, So I think it's just like really understanding your brewing equipment and how to use it. And the grind becomes the most important piece. 
because of how the water is going to go through the coffee and your particular coffee method is going to determine the taste. And then to top all that off, it's what kind of water are you using? So filtered water obviously is going to give you the best cup of coffee versus just tap water. Um, So that in itself, I mean, even at coffee shops, like everything that runs through Stoked headquarters is filtered from our faucets to water, everything. And that in itself right there is a huge differentiator of how good that cup of coffee is going to come out through all of our machines. So Peter is like frantically Googling here. How do you spell the coffee press that you just mentioned? Um, it's I'm from Canada and it's called Espro. So it's E-S, as in Sam, P-R-O. Um, so it's the Espro coffee press. And You've just like made his day. Is, he has broken so many glass the best presses. Press it is ridiculous. Oh, this one's awesome. And the double wall feature keeps it hot for an extremely long time. They did just launch a glass one, but we still like the stainless steel ones the best. We do sell both at Stoked. But, um, and then they also have a travel press, which is um, a tiny little um, travel size, like a travel mug that you would see, but it has a miniature double filtered um, press inside of it. So you can kind of have it on the go. And it's like this mini, mini guy. So it's awesome. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of different coffee methods. I've he sort of so collected many. a lot. So and many. the coffee press, <laughs> which should be in theory, I guess, one of the simpler ones to do. Uh, somehow I yeah. am horrible at it. So I'm, He really is. Well, so what makes this? Is it the double filter or like, or is it the, the fact that it's got the double It's the wallet? double filter that's on it. That's um, So it's the technology that they've done with the double filter on the bottom and then also, um, around that filter is it kind of reminds me of like a squeegee that where you'd like wipe the bathroom door off, you know, or something. But it's uh, it has like this squeegee kind of thing all around it that keeps that super tight when you're pressing it down, so no grinds can get through that. And so, like when you use a glass press, sometimes like a Bowdoin press, for example, they um, there's kind of like gunk and grind that still filters through and up into um, the coffee portion that you're going to drink. Whereas the Espro press, it just really keeps it super tight. And so you're not getting any like sludge and slime and all that gunk. It's just staying out of the drinking part. And something about the double wall or the double filter also is um, discontinuing the brewing process. And so it's really differentiating um, the drinking part from the bottom part. So once you get through, like, let's say you um, have it brew for four or five minutes and then you press it, that it's just going to stay that flavor the whole time. Whereas we're using a glass press where it's that super simple um, filter in between. It's still kind of brewing the whole time while your press is still sitting there after you've poured a cup. So almost the flavor is changing as you pour each cup. And obviously, it's getting cooler, too, so that's changing your flavor notes. But um, the Espro Press, it's all about really just you're um, cutting it um, at the point where you press. And then it's that consistent flavor all all throughout. Awesome, awesome. It's and, so good. And, and then is I'm there... having it right now. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great, because, I mean, that's always been one of my hesitancies with a, a bigger press, certainly, uh, especially if you're solo, as you end up, you know, drinking the whole thing number one but just you know the half of, yep, half of, half of it's gonna sit there <laughs> i don't right? see that as a problem yeah half of it's gonna sit there no. but 
Um, I'm wondering, can you like, is there what's the ratio that you sort of uh, feel like is the the best one, and either by weight or, or volume? Is there a way, you know, what are we sort of aiming for, the coffee to water ratio? Um, it's so funny. I'd actually have to go read it again because at home I have um, I have a Bodum Burr coffee grinder. It's my favorite grinder ever. And um, how it works is it's by seconds of how long it's going to grind. And so based off of what uh, amount you have, you're using seconds. And then based off of what grind you want, you're actually changing where the burr is sitting um, on the top. So you're spinning the top. And so the top is set on French press. And then um, for me, it's 15 seconds. So I'm not sure what that weight is, but could actually figure it out yeah i think um, i think the classic that you always see is like uh i think it's two tablespoons for a six ounce cup or for six ounces i guess in the press so it, it's a surprising yeah. amount i think is usually people run too much water is that sort of the more common error do you think that we're, we're going too much water for the amount of coffee or, or not enough coffee either it's that or like if they're not i mean the biggest thing is the grind so if like folks will get these like hand grinders and then it's like, what kind of grind is that? And they're using that for all different kinds of brewing equipment. So it's like a French press. The grind is extremely coarse. And for a espresso, let's say, or, um, uh, you know, other like your drip brewer somewhere in the middle, espresso is super fine. Um, so here I can tell you actually I just weighed it. It's 64 grams is what my sweet spot is for a 32-ounce press. Cool. And then I actually... On a coarse grind. <laughs> since we're on the topic of... So that's what of, my 15 seconds is. <laughs> I like it. Um, and then if someone's using, say, like a coffee maker or like a more traditional uh -huh. thing, any, any tips for making that taste good? I'm asking for my parents who have like the world's worst coffee maker, but is there anything you could suggest um, for that? Okay. So if you have like a Mr. Coffee. Yeah. Um, well, now be it, get a new so one. you would put it on, um, yeah, change your system. No, <laughs> I actually did have a friend ask me that like last night. She's like, so I have a really old school coffee maker. It's cone filter. What do you think I should, how do I brew it right? And I'm like, buy an Espro press, <laughs> get a water <laughs> kettle and start over. Um, so this, let's see, like if you usually like a big Mr. Coffee is um, a 12 cup coffee machine. And so um, you would again, it goes back to the grinder. Now you would want it to grind on a drip coffee, which is like medium grind, you know, so French press is super coarse and then like espresso is super fine. And then it would be like 80 grams of weight. Um, or on like my bottom grinder, it's 20 seconds. Gotcha. Um, for a 12 cup machine. And probably, I mean, the, if, you're, if you're stuck somewhere and you're stranded and you, you haven't been able to get your, your one-day Amazon shipping, probably just keeping that. I'm not going to lie. I think Peter might have just hit order on that press. Yeah, well, that's, it's on its way. But, uh, 
<laughs> just I mean, the, I think the biggest mistake with those mom, I call them mom and pop machines, but the you know they're, they're, they they leave the coffee in overnight, so you're getting like molding and smells, oh, and yeah. taste from like previous like flavored coffee. So just trying to keep the thing super Gross. clean, and then your rules yep. of just like good grind, the right amount, measure it out, um, and, and a good some yeah. good, some good water through it, right? So give it a good clean. Yeah. You know, you run some water through it a few times if you're at like a hotel or something, and, and make do, but. I yeah. think these days with like all the options for travel methods and stuff, I think if you're serious about your coffee, you can probably, you know, throw that press or an AeroPress or, a, you know, there's, yeah. there's so many little tiny solutions. Well, and what we did was, and that was why I had this itch to create stoke sticks is because if someone, I travel a ton and then last year, of course, I was all over the world. And so it's like, if you want reliability, then that's why we created it. And so that, I mean, maybe you're camping, you know, but also maybe you're just flying to Amsterdam and you have no idea what's going to be in your hotel. And now you can just use that coffee maker they have and get eight ounces of hot water through it and then throw your soak sticks in and you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about how close the coffee shop is. Like you just know exactly what you're going to get. And it tastes really good. I love that. I think that's, that's super <laughs> smart. I, I like that that kind Stoked of, down the road. <laughs> I like that you're, you're like ultra running and stuff like that kind of influenced the direction of the company to make something like that. Cause I don't think many small yeah. roasters are making like instant packets. Right. Uh uh-uh. No. So well, and for good. us too, it was like, you know, we want to have your back wherever you're going to go. Like if you're like out in the middle of nowhere with your family camping or you're at Stoked having it and we're brewing it or you're at home and you have our beans, um, we just wanted to like have your back wherever you are and have you getting stoked to get outside. Um, so, and for me too, it was like, I was experiencing it. Like I go to a hotel and I just freak out when it's just a Keurig machine and I'm like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so now I don't have to wonder. <laughs> so it's kind of like I solved my own problem being like a coffee addict my whole life <laughs> and create a product that's going to have my back and therefore I'm going to have your back. <laughs> I love it. And so now that we're talking about gear and stuff, I do want to come right back to ultra running to sort of as we're getting towards the end of this, what pack do you use? Because I feel like run packs are so freaking hard, especially for women to find that you can run with and like not feel like you're dying. Yeah. Women, especially it's really hard because they tend to kind of go off of the male body. And so we're trying to find a pack that's like kind of like fitted enough for our small waist. Um, so in the, um, multi-day ultra running world, you're required to have, I think it was a 25 liter pack. So you're already done with a big pack because you have to shove so much stuff in it that they require you to bring. Um, so there's a company out there called OMM and it, um, I think it was called like the marathon pack or something like that, but it became like the perfect pack I think for more female bodies um, because you could tighten it so much Uh, prior to that I had a pack that was from this company called Raid Light but I actually had to rig an extra strap on it to tie around my waist because it was too big 
So OMM has been the best for these kind of ultra races. That's awesome. Because we've we've talked about doing stuff like that. That's more like kind of a combo, like hiking, backpacky kind of thing. But we both run, so it'd be really hard, I think, for us to stick to like hiking packs. So having something oh, that, yeah, like, this one is, is runnable awesome. would be excellent. Yeah, this one is sweet. I feel like this episode it. might be white. the most. This episode is going to be the one Peter's going to spend the most money from. I think, because now he's like looking at this and he's like, oh, now That's I need so one precious. of these. Yeah. yeah, do you know the the model? I see with Alm here, there's like classic, classic and GoPod. Do you know? It's the, I think it's like the marathon. Marath- classic, classic 25 marathon path. Might be the 32. Yeah. That's probably bigger. But Yeah, I guess you pick your size, I guess, based on your adventure. Yeah, 25 liter. It's 20 to 25, somewhere in there. Perfect. Yep, Peter's going to probably buy that now, too. This is going to be, yeah, a very costly episode for us to have recorded. Um, Oh, yeah, it's the OMM Classic 25 Marathon Pack. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, so last last question, and it's both for roasting and for running. What the heck is next for you now that you've accomplished this pretty big thing and you're you're opening a second location with the coffee? So, yeah, what's what's happening? Yeah, I would say that the next big step for... Is um, we are opening a coffee shop on Main Street in Park City. Um, so I actually spent the morning doing business permits and bank accounts. Um, and so really excited about it. We're hoping to open it in late summer, early fall to be ready for like just a huge winter ahead. Um, and then on the running side, I am. Kind of, I'm just doing 50 mile races this year. It's kind of been an off year, but it's taken nine months actually for my body to um, relaunch itself. So it's been probably the hardest recovery process I've ever gone through mentally because I had to be patient and let, and let my body catch up because I don't think any of us realized how much the races took um, took out of our bodies, our metabolisms were messed up, my blood was really crazy for a while. And so it's probably been the past eight weeks that training has just been really getting good. And so I'm going to, and my biggest race, I guess, this year is just North Face Endurance Challenge, 50 mile national championships in San Francisco. And pretty much racing every weekend until then. Um, <laughs> I love so, anytime someone's like just a casual season of racing 50 milers, by the way. <laughs> you know, no, big, no big deal. No big deal. I was going to do a couple 100 mile races, but, you know, unfortunately, as a professional athlete, you have to get to the point where um, you have to be honest with yourself. And it was really hard to drop out. But um, this will allow me to have a healthy progression back and have really, really good race results versus um, be at risk of my body going backwards. Um, And after nine months, I don't want to go backwards anymore. (laughs) That seems totally reasonable. I like it. Yeah. And I have to add, um, Park City, ah, people are just dropping stuff everywhere. Park City is 
like one of the weird places that Peter and I have like passed through a bunch of times. So you'll be right near Peter's favorite distillery is like High West in town. Oh yeah, I think you might two blocks away from Salt. Okay, I always confuse Salt Lake City with Park City. Yeah, the High West distillery is one of my favorite stops. So So, now now we have two. Yeah, we're gonna say this is perfect. (laughs) And and stopping for you guys is probably more uh, ethical than stopping at a distillery in the middle of a cross country drive. Yeah. 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 Okay, so yeah, we will. Um, so people can find you guys at stokedroasting.com, I believe, is the website. Um, yeah, stokedroasters.com. Stokedroasters.com. We'll certainly link to that. Um, and then where are you yeah. at? Um, so folks can follow me on Instagram at jacksmariash, or uh, my website is wonderwomanjacks.com. I love it. I actually just followed you on Instagram in the past couple of days and I love your Instagram it's it's got tons of really cool pictures and it made me feel like I need to run even though I'm currently very tired and not really willing to run so good job yeah get out there girl <laughs> and people can definitely like you're shipping I think just in the continental USA or are you guys shipping anywhere else in the world um, USA and Canada right now. Oh, you are doing Canada. Perfect. Very important. Um, for and us. there's 90 day subscriptions. Seemed quite reasonable. Uh, but ju- definitely check that out. There's the instant coffee, the sticks. Uh, Stoke sticks are available yep. there as well. And so that's North America. That's a lot of our listenership. I apologize to anyone else who cannot get that. But you can certainly follow along on Instagram and, until Stoked goes worldwide. Um, so thank you very much, Jax, for being on the show. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, so that episode was super rad. Thank you again to Jax for not only coming on and taking the time to chat with us, but also for offering our listeners a sweet discount code and helping us run a giveaway. So for the discount code, you go to stokedroasters.com and use the discount code CONSUMMATE17 for 25% off your order, which is amazing. And then the giveaway, which is going to run through September 1st, is for a gift bundle that's going to include a stoked hydro flask a bag of beans, and a box of stoked sticks. And you can get in on that giveaway by rating and reviewing the Consummate Athlete Podcast over on iTunes. Take a screenshot after you do that and email it to me at molly at theoutdooredit.com. And then we're going to do a random draw for the giveaway. Um, Yeah, definitely get in on that. Check out stokedroasters.com. And of course, check our show notes for all of that info and all of those links. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks so much for listening to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We would love if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a review. And while you're there, consider subscribing. We'd also love to connect over at Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Molly J. Herford and Peter is at Peter Glassford. If you have ideas or questions from today's podcast, or you just want to browse some of the show notes and past shows, you can also check us out at consummateathlete.com. Thanks, guys, and we will see you next time.